0: Hi everyone, I'm Josh,
1: and I'm Jim, and this is the Dapper Meeple.
0: This show is about our love of gaming, the games we play, and the gaming community around this passion.
1: So pull up a chair, put on your Dapper Meeple hat, and join us at the table. Hey kids, remember this is an adult podcast and may contain adult language.
0: Also Dapper Meeple hat not required.
1: Hey guys, today we're going to deal with that age-old question. Where in the hell do I find a TTRPG group?
0: Then in the Games We Play section, we'll show you how to start your own cult with Cultivate, the light-hearted, fast-paced, take-that-game from Pops
1: and Beiju Games. Along with possible free D&D stuff, all that we know about PAX U, and Marvel getting into our Kickstarter roundup.
0: All of that coming up on this episode of the Dapper Meeple.
1: So here we are, back December 2021, and PAX U is making a comeback.
0: It's about time. Uh, It's been way too long. Uh, The last one that they had was 2019, which we were at. Um, That was our first big con (laughs) that we actually went to right right before the world shut down. So yeah, we're we're excited. I know I'm especially excited. I'm ready to go back to Philly, ready to spend ungodly amounts of hours and A room full of ungodly amounts of people.
1: Right. This time we're going to do it smarter. We'll plan. You know, we'll get all that done. Um, We're definitely going to talk a little bit about PAXU because we're excited. The schedule just came out. We're actually able to look and see what a lot of the things are that we want to go uh, listen to. First, before we get into it, we have to tell you guys about something that we are doing with one of our favorite TikTok creators, Mr. Kurt Wise.
0: So um, it's been a few weeks ago now. Uh, But we were watching his videos, and he had mentioned how he did not have uh, hardly any of the physical copies of Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. Uh, He was excited because his girlfriend had got him a couple copies for his upcoming birthday. Right. Now, fiancé. Yep. And he was showing them off on his channel. Uh, So we thought, hey, it would be a cool idea. We love his videos. Let's send him a starter set, Um, you know, just as a thank you for what he does. And, you know, just to say, hey... Um, What was crazy was he actually got the exact same set of core rule books from his father for his birthday as well. Uh, So he reached back out to us and said, hey, you know, why don't we make this a giveaway type thing? There's a ton of people who comment on his channel asking how to get into D&D. So we thought this would be a great way to um, kind of build off of that. Um, So if you go on his channel, there is a pinned video um, that explains... Uh, both the kind of the rules shows some of the prizes and things like that also gives a link to enter as
1: well. Right. One of the big things to point out real quick is just that you do have to be 18 years old to enter just because it's considered a legal deal. So um, be aware of that if you're listening. Um, I don't know if we have anybody under 18 listening, but if we do, you have probably very irresponsible parents and uh, (laughs) you're not allowed to enter. But for the rest of you, uh, yeah, go check out his channel. So here's here's what he's giving away. Uh, the grand prize is a DD and d core rulebook set, and I'm pretty sure it's with the foil covers on it as well, so they're shiny. Um, a set of dice for the group, for everyone in your group, a Beholder Mini, and one of the Dapper Meeple pins, and the Mr. Kurt sticker, which is his very first merch that he's able to put out.
0: Then he's given away two second-place prizes. Um, they are the D&D starter set, uh, which does come with like a, a pre made adventure for right. you to kind of get started with a group. Also, has like pre made character sheets, all kinds of really good stuff just for you to get started in the game. It right. has kind of a rules light, if you will, book in it, um, as well as I think it comes with a set of dice in there as it well. It does. Yep. Um, he's doing that and a set of dice for your group as well,
1: along with a pin and a sticker.
0: Yep. Third place, there are three sets of prizes. Um, It is one set of dice, a Dapper Meeple pin, and a Mr. Kurt Weiss sticker. And then lastly, uh, five other people will get a Dapper Meeple pin and a sticker of his Mr. Kurt Wise, uh, just for entering the contest and saying thank you.
1: Right. We talked about Kurt on our last episode that we were talking about the TikTok creators that we like. Actually, episode eight. And he was definitely one that we uh, talked about. He has brought... Hours of joy, and we love his content. Um, a lot of it is, you know, him acting out characters and stuff. His bard is epic. So, we really love this idea where we were able to turn something that we wanted to do into uh, something bigger and get some more people out at the table. If you are interested, first of all, get on your TikTok, head over to his page, Mr. Kurt Wise, and like Josh said, you can watch the video. He explains exactly how to enter, fill out the forms, put in your information, and good luck to you. You know We're always fans of bringing more people into the game, so this was a really cool way for us to get to do it and work with a really cool dude.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, the contest does end the end of this week, uh, which is November 12th, so not a lot of time left to enter, but if you haven't by chance seen his TikTok page or seen that video... And you will hear this podcast, by all means, go give it a shot, enter, and uh, good luck. We'll see uh, who wins.
1: Winners will be announced on November 15th. So now that that's out of the way, let's talk PAX. So PAX U is the Penny Arcade Expo Unplugged, which is specifically focusing on um, board games, card games, TTRPGs, Games that do not require electricity or a lot of electricity, right? This isn't video games, which is their normal focus when we talk PAX West, PAX East, PAX South no longer exists. They just got rid of it. This is all about the board games. This is a, like right down our alley.
0: Right. Which uh, unrelated, by the way, apparently PAX West has a really large board game following. Um, not, It's not geared specifically towards that, but it does have a pretty big tabletop. Uh, follow. We got it. Uh, anyway, uh, Pax U is their show for tabletop gaming. Though it has everything from panels to tournaments to a massive free play zone, along with their gaming library that they bring along. You can rent out of. Um, I th- I don't even know the size of that library. It was
1: it was huge. There were there were tables on tables, just stacks of games. I mean, it's it's overwhelming. You kind of got to have an idea of what you're looking for when you walk in there, man. But I mean, such a great idea. And by renting games, I think you just gave them your ID. Yeah. Yeah, and, you- and
0: then you could check them out, and then you just bring them back. They'll give you back your ID, that sort of thing. Right, right. Uh, one of the things I do like, they also incorporate like classic games as well. Yes. Uh, we were joking last time. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the game Loop and Louie. Um, it was this old, like, mechanical game that had a dude on that was in an airplane, and it spins around in a circle. And you you have this little flipper that will kick him up in the air, and you try and kick him up over these little chicken tokens that you have. Um, and as long as you keep popping him up over your chickens, like, you're good. But the goal of the game was to, you wanted to hit him just right where he would come down on your opponent's chickens. Right? Uh, it was great fun. I, I remember playing that game when I was little, but they actually had a loop and Louie tournament <laughs> at the last packs. Um, so definitely something that uh, it, it just has a lot of fun, not just for like modern, like the more intense board games, but I mean, all across the board uh, just really fun stuff going on.
1: I will point out too, that this year they do have a looping Louie tournament again, <laughs> single elimination <laughs> sign up, start Sunday at 9am. And I'm going to go look. And if it's a bunch of kids signing up, maybe I won't do it. Or maybe I'll just go in the blind and sign up and see what happens. Because I think that would be awesome if if you won and you're like standing there first place, 42 years old with the Loop and Louie trophy. And you got like an eight-year-old beside you crying. It will be awesome. <laughs> be talking some mad shit to some kids. Kill It'll little, be
0: great. Kill little Timmy's chickens.
1: <laughs> On the flip side of that, it's going to be real embarrassing if I lose to a six-year-old. <laughs>
0: Uh, so one of the big things we loved at PAX uh, are the panels that they have. There were some really good ones we got to go to last year. One of my favorites, I think, was the one with Pat Rothfuss. And I cannot remember her name off the top of my head. Uh, anyway, they were playing Call to Adventure, right. uh, which is a game that we enjoy. We actually picked up at the con after after that panel. They had already pre-played through most of the game, and they were playing the final round. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Call to Adventure is a board game where you are kind of just building the story of your character uh, through different actions and cards that you pick up off the board. To have somebody like Pat Rothfuss, who's an amazing storyteller, um, go through these steps and play this game out. And at the end of the game, he starts describing what his character is and what they become and what they went through and things like that. And it was one of those moments where he was almost describing a character from his book to the T. So it was, it was pretty cool. It was exciting. There were a lot of other really good panels that we didn't get to see either. This year, looks like it's going to be full of a, a bunch of other really good stuff.
1: Right. We looked down through some of the panels and I mean, There is everything from, like, discussing different types of games. Uh, There's a lot of, like, DM panels where you can come and maybe listen to some experienced DMs, get some ideas about stuff. Uh, There was one about cooking in your games, how adding food and, like, descriptions of food into your game really brings that world to life. That one sounded really good. There was a lot of panels uh, that really talked about the gaming community through the lens of diversity, equality, availability things like that and um, a couple of them that really kind of focused on education as well like using games or ttrpgs for you know dealing with children that maybe um you know there's one for children with adhd how that kind of helps them and how a lot of them really thrive behind a dm screen there's more stuff going on that i want to see than i'm going to get to see just because of it but those are the panels and they're just they're spread out, and they're really great. The one that I do, that I am really excited about, that I definitely want to hit, is the Keith Baker panel. Right. So, if anybody that doesn't know, Keith Baker is the uh, designer behind the Eberron setting in D&D, which is kind of a steampunk slash magic slash setting. It's really a lot of fun. Uh, I really enjoy the games that I've played that have been kind of focused in there. But he's putting out something new, and he will be announcing it at the panel. So, he's keeping us in suspense until we get there.
0: Right, there are a ton of other things too at PAX. Um, one of the fun things that we didn't do, and we probably won't, because I'm I'm not much of a mini painter, but I do like they have the classes for mini painting, mm-hmm. um, where you go in, you buy like um, I think it's the. It's like the pre pre pre-packaged mini packages that you can get. You can probably find them at your local game store, but they have those where you go in, you crack them open, then they have a guy up front who is painting it with you and kind of giving you tips and tricks as you go through it. Uh, That's one of the things that I thought was really cool, as well as there are a bunch of like side rooms off of the main expo hall. Um, I know one of them specifically as like a room where you can just go and chill and hang out if everything kind of gets a little overwhelming, uh, which is not surprising. Uh, last time we were there, there was 60,000 plus people, um, all in this one convention center. So there's a lot of people, there's a lot of stuff to see. There's a lot of stuff to do. Um, so if you're one of those people who can get overwhelmed by that, they have a little spot where you can go kind of chill out. So I thought that was really cool. Right.
1: The uh, there's also a lot of learn to plays out there where they take, bring games out and they will teach you how to play most game booths or game designer booths that are set up will have something that they're really showing that they want to talk about and uh will sit you down and, you know, give you a few minutes, walk you through the rules, let you try it out. Those are really cool. And then they su- they do have some areas where they set the time apart for so many people to come sit down and learn to play. Um, it's just it's definitely a full three days and you're getting a chance to see a lot of games. You're getting a chance to do some play testing on some new games. There are some tournaments all throughout the entire the con that's going on. There's also uh, what's the big one? The Omegathon, Thon. Right. They select a limited number of people to get involved in this tournament. You don't know what the games are when you move into it, uh, but they play, I think, the first two rounds on Friday, the second two rounds on saturday and then the final round on sunday you don't know what you're playing but you're just going in there and you know at the end of it whoever's collected the most points uh is kind of the declared the winner of the omegathon
0: right uh that one is always fun um just to see the types of games they play uh there is also um i've already seen a list of some first look games that are coming out some of them that were like on kickstarter and stuff like that um that the uh the publishers are actually bringing to uh, PAX Unplugged. Uh, one of the ones that I'm most excited about is Dinosaur World. Uh, so it is uh, from Pandasaurus Games, off of kind of based off their previous hit, Dinosaur Island. Uh, it kind of takes that and goes bigger with it. It's one that I've been looking at as well. There are a bunch of other ones, though. Another one is It's a Wonderful Kingdom. It's the uh, successor to It's a Wonderful World. So that's another one I'm excited to kind of take a look at. Uh, one of the big things, I think, unfortunately this year, because we're still kind of figuring our way out back to normal, um, there are a couple big name publishers that are not going to be present, specifically uh, CMON Games have, it uh, doesn't look like they're going to be there as well as at this time, it looks like uh, Asmodee, which includes like Fantasy Flight and those companies, they're also not going to be there. Um, so that kind of creates it's going to be a little bit probably a little smaller show than last year but I think for the most part people are excited to come out and you know be able to be around people
1: again right so PAX takes place in Philadelphia which is kind of a great city to go visit anyway as long as you you know don't mess around Philadelphians are known for not putting up with a lot of bullshit just see what they did to that hitchhiking robot a couple years ago the big thing about this Con is like a Gen Con and stuff. They required either a vaccine or proof of a negative test within three days. Pax U is completely you have to be vaccinated to go and you're going to be wearing your mask the whole time. So I got to go find a very comfortable, cool mask to put on. So that's on my to do list between now and December. But they're really kind of making an effort to keep everybody safe. 2019, the pass is sold out in hours. I mean, it was fast. And I know right now there are still three day passes available, which I love that the, the only thing you really pay for to get into the con is the pass. And that gives you access to all the panels, all the games, all the, you know, if you have to buy like the mini for the painting thing is something, but yeah, you know, there's no big other expense that comes along with it. And it's 75 bucks for a three day pass. So, um, this was the one that we picked to go to mostly too, because it's on the East coast with us. But I mean, it's just, it was such a good time. Um, and I'm really looking forward to heading over to Reading Street Station and having some Philly cheesesteak. I really hope the guy that was cooking last, you know, in 2019, I hope he's done fine and made it through because <laughs> I'm really going to feel left out. And I'm really going to feel like I missed something if I don't get yelled at by a dude that seriously looks like he just came out of prison, but he can make a killer cheesesteak. <laughs> but when he calls your number, your ass better come pick it up. <laughs>
0: Uh, definitely looking forward to it. Uh, we may even have some clips and things like that recorded um, while we're up there, depending on how things go. Um, we'll see, you know, what we can find out, what we can do. We'll of course have uh, kind of a wrap up um, episode after, I'm sure, to go over some of the things we got to see, some things we got to try, probably some of the things we bought because I know it's going to happen, right? Um, and then we'll uh, we'll have to go from there.
1: Cool. So if any of you are heading up there, or if you're interested, check it out. Just Google PAX U 2021. You'll get all the information you need. Their website's pretty well done right now with the schedule being up on it. It's kind of building as it goes. If you're going to be up there, let us know. Uh, Come by and say hi, and um, I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Up next, on games we play, we're talking Cultivate from Pops and Beju games. Cultivate from Pops and Beju Games, designed by Austin Foss, Jake Sells, and Jenna Radke, with artwork from David Cavale. Cultivate is a take-that patterned building game where you take on the role of one of five cult leaders looking to recruit followers and complete your objectives. At the beginning of the game, each player will choose a cult leader persona to play as, and chooses an agenda that they will try to complete. Each person is randomly dealt a compound board where they will amass their followers, and then each player is dealt four cards. The undercover investigation cards are shuffled back into the deck, and play begins. On their turn, each player can either play a card, exchange followers, or discard cards. Playing a card lets you recruit more followers from the pool in the center of the table, or possibly take an action to sabotage another cult leader, by taking some of their followers or forcing them to deal with the undercover investigator. Exchanges allow you to swap your followers based on the value of each individual meeple or maybe remove an investigator. Discarding allows you to get rid of cards that are not helpful at this time and draw back to the size of your normal hand. Followers are placed into your compound at the topmost available slot on the compound board. The bottom slots are reserved for a certain type of follower and unlocks powers that will help you win the game. The first player that fills their compound with followers and no investigators triggers the end of the game. Each player will have one more turn and then the game is scored. Each type of follower has an assigned point value. First add those up, then add any bonuses including if you completed your chosen agenda and subtract 4 for any investigators still in the compound. The leader with the highest total wins the game. And congratulations, now you know how to build a cult. I'm going to go start off by saying this game is a much lighter game than a lot of the others that we've reviewed. Right. This is definitely a fun family party night kind of game. It's not real heavy with rules. It's not something that you um, really need to put a lot into. But it's definitely a good time.
0: Right. It seems that... Um it it's something very, uh, very easy to pick up, uh, very quick to set up, very quick to tear down. Uh, one of those kind of things. It is also very easy to um, sit down, read the rules, and then hop right in. Right, right. Um, so a lot of a lot of the games we've reviewed have been a little more in depth, a little geared more towards the hobby board gamers. But this one is definitely one of those that if you have friends who don't really play a lot of board games or haven't played a lot of board games. Um, you can sit down and teach us to them real quick and then go from there.
1: So the premise of the game, like we talked about in the intro is that you choose, uh, one of the five cult leaders to play as, and they've all got like fun little names like miss pollination and her shtick is that she's all about saving bees and she's going to take the world over with insects. Um, You know, there's five different cult leaders that you can choose, and they all play a little bit differently when it comes to their agendas. Mm -hmm. Right. Each cult leader has three agendas that you get to choose from. And to complete those agendas, you have to fill your board with a certain pattern, with a certain type of follower. right?
0: Right. Right. Um, and each one of these agendas has like a funny little name um, and it, the different types of followers, it kind of makes sense the way, like according to the name. So one of the times we played, I was playing as a Ryan O Hunter. Uh, he is um, trying to build a cult based on hunting large animals. Uh, and the, uh, agenda that I had was um, basically he was saying large animals are endangerment to kids so you have little kid followers as well as you have activist followers and on my board I had to have like two kid followers and then they were surrounded by activist followers that was the agenda in the order that I had to get my pieces for the bonus points
1: right and each of the followers that you can pick, I mean, much like if you were going to start an actual cult, you're not going to have all the same people. So there are different types of followers, um, little meeples that are different colored. And then they actually have some kind of like, you know, painting on the front, you know, to distinguish them. Like I know the activists has like a little world in the center of them, like a globe. And then they've got like an X of tape across their mouths. Little things like that. The academic is wearing glasses and like a tie, and I think he's got like a pocket protector on the meeple. But the different meeples that you have, the different follower pool, are all worth a different amount of points. So celebrities and politicians are worth three points, academics and scientists are worth two points, and the youth, the activists, and the drifter is worth one point. So as you're collecting followers, you want to get First of all, you want to make the agenda pattern that you have chosen, but you also want to have more points. So you want to you want more followers that are celebrities or politicians or the scientists just to be worth more points in the end total.
0: This game was pretty fun and it played really fast Um, at two people. I think we knocked out a game in under 15 minutes um, because we played two kind of back to back. Uh, But it's pretty cool we switched up um we switched up our cult leaders and agendas that sort of thing to try something new but overall very fun quick game i imagine as you up the player count it gets probably longer and more challenging because there'll be more interaction between the other players right um we kind of discussed the two players it kind of felt like the first person to fill out their board was the person who won right Um, kind of regardless of the agenda you picked or the almost even what you had your board filled with. It was almost if you filled the board, you won.
1: right? Cause you get the bonus points for filling your board. You get the bonus points for unlocking the hijack power. Um, So, you know, there's a lot of stuff that it's kind of a race when it's two players having three or four or five, you're definitely going to have more of the interactions. Like a lot of the cards allow you to take a follower from someone else. Um, If you do draw the undercover investigator, which is kind of like the government trying to get into your cult. If you do draw that meeple, you can send him to somebody else's compound or swap him out for one of their followers. So with more people in it, I think you're definitely going to get a very different game feel. And I think it's going to be a little bit more interesting and a little bit more cutthroat. Yeah, honestly,
0: I agree with that. All right. So let's hop down into our uh, rating of this game. Um, Obviously for those of you who haven't heard before, Uh, Rating system, very easy. It's out of 10. Uh, We're going to go through the value um, based on the price of the game, Uh, the component quality, uh, gameplay, replayability, and then just like an overall score for the game.
1: Got it. So let's talk value. And one of the big things we talk about over and over and over again, we talk value, is how much game are you getting in this box for how much you're paying? Right. Right. So on their website right now, over at Pops and Beju, this game is listed for 40 bucks.
0: So to put that in perspective, we think of some other games like around 40 bucks. Um, we we're actually looking earlier at some other ones. Uh, I think this is a decent game for 40 bucks. Yeah. Uh, I am. It almost feels a little high, but I think it's because of the meeples. Yeah. Uh, because if it was done with something like cardboard standees or something like that, I feel like it could have knocked that down to probably 30 and part of that, I think, is skewed lately because um, Ravensburger has been killing it when it comes to like low cost games. Yeah, yeah. Um, things like Horrified and all the movie property games they've been doing that are coming in at like thirty bucks max. I mean, and they're some really good high quality games. Right. So I again, um, forty might be a touch high for it, but. At the end of the day, I think there is a lot of game in this box.
1: right. So you have, uh, you know, you can always switch up which cult leader you are, so there's five different ones. But really all that does is change which agenda you're gonna go after. Each cult leader has, like we said, three different agendas and you have to pick one. One of them's worth an extra eight points, one of them's worth an extra 10, one of them wor- is worth an extra 12. So you can you can swap that around a little bit. and the compound board that you get where you will amass your followers, Along the bottom of it, there are four powers uh, that you can unlock to kind of help you win the game. One of them gives you an extra two points at the end. One of them lets you make two um, exchanges, which is where you can change Meeple based on the point value. Um, One of them lets you carry five cards instead of four. And then one of them lets you remove the investigator for two points instead of four points. um, That's kind of a trade. So to unlock those, though, you have to have whatever color box is at the very bottom that color of meeple. And all of the boards are two-sided and they're all different. So there's that kind of play as well where you can see how your board sits. So, I mean, you're not going to play, while the game isn't going to change, you're not going to play the same game every time. And I think that is, that's going to give you a little bit more mileage on the game as well.
0: Yeah, and I, I do think for what it is too, it, it is a lighter game. So, I mean, this is not, this is not a campaign level epic multi-week type game. No. This is one of those you break out and you, you know, a good filler game. I I, I hesitate to call a $40 game a filler game, but that's almost kind of where it sits for me. Right. Um, is that it is, uh, this is not the game you're showing up to play. You know what I mean? For like a full game night. This is one of those like you will play this game while you're waiting on people to get there. Right. Um or maybe at the after like the big heavy game that you've played and whatever. This is one of those maybe people are ready to leave. All right, let's kind of break this out and you know kind of play it a little bit.
1: I think it'd be good too for like a family game night. Like if you've got people in your family who are interested or who like to sit down and play games but they're very used to like you know the Hasbro Milton Bradley type, you know, I think this is a great step in between that and some of the heavier games um that would definitely kind of uh get their attention because like i said there is a lot of cutthroat you know tactics that you can use in here like yeah you're trying to fill your you're trying to fill your compound but there's a there's a finite number of the followers of the different colors that you can have And maybe if they're all gone, like, how do you get them then? Well, you can swap some stuff out. You can play some of those trick cards to get in there. I mean, it's it's got levels like there are layers to this game, I think, too, Um, which kind of steps it up a little bit from the spin the dial, move around the board kind of game. Right. Um, So I feel like you like that. And I think it's a good step in between in between some of the more complicated, heavy rules uh, games.
0: Right. So what would you put number wise on value?
1: value for 40 bucks. I still feel like it's a good. I still feel like it's a seven, maybe an eight with value. Um I think you're going to get to play this a lot. And I think you're going to change your strategies a lot. And it's going to be very much a kind of a, you know, you're, we're going to sit down at this game and he beat me three times last time. So I'm going to remember that. Like, I think that's where you're going to get your value on this game.
0: Yeah. I, I would say I, I would give it a seven. Um, I do think that. Like there is still enough game in this box to make it worth it. Like I said, uh, i it may be a touch touch higher than what i would want to pay for it but again a lot of that is colored by kind of some other games that have come out more recently right um but overall i think yeah i think a seven is what i could give it for value um, so let's drop down into components uh one of the things i noticed immediately was the cardstock quality um it's excellent they are nice and thick um they have a really nice lamination on them where you know it's not gonna You can shuffle them pretty well without being in sleeves and all that sort of stuff. So that's a definite plus for it. Mm -hmm. Um, At least for me, that was one of the first things I
1: noticed. Honestly, uh, I really like the game pieces. We talked about a little bit at the beginning, like they are uh, wooden meeples, right? And they're all painted, you know, they're all painted a different color. And then they've gone back in and there's little you know detail added to them and it's all dependent on like the type of meeple like we said like the scientist looks like he's wearing a little yellow lab coat right and the celebrity's got the big lips and like you know they're red anyway so they look like they're gonna be fancy and the politician's got their tie and their suit on right um i kind of like those I, i like it gives it kind of a little bit more of a feel you know you're not just moving a piece you know um while we were playing i made sure i had all my meeples facing me so i could see them because i feel like as a cult leader that's how i would do some shit um i like those also the components which there's not a lot of like we said uh setup and tear down are real easy the components feel good the boards and stuff that they got they really do feel like i mean real quality like you know that pressed board um and you know the detail and the design and the artwork in them. I really like the artwork. Like every cult leader has a very specific look and a color to them as well. Um I thought those looked really good. Components again, I'm probably like 7 or 8 on components. I like the way it I like the way it unpacks and packs back in. Like it is packaged very well, right? Like I mean, everything's got a place and it all fits and you've got plenty of room left over.
0: Yeah, I think I would give it a solid 8 on components. Yeah. Um, I think everything about it is really well made. Um, I do like the wooden meeples. Um, that little touch of personality on each meeple as opposed to just being the same type of little wooden type block, I think actually goes a long way for the game, right? Because um, modern board games are notorious for just having the un, you know random dimension block right. that represents whatever, whether it be you know, wheat or sheep or, you know, whatever um, that they're notorious for those type of things. Um, So I think adding that just little bit of extra goes a long way for for the quality of the component. So I think I'm a solid eight on that.
1: Right. My only this is where I get my only big complaint on this is the scoring pad that they give you is a pad of paper like it's printed. Right. And it shows you what the score, what you get points for. Um, And then there's a block or a column for each of the um, each of the cult leaders. So you could take the numbers down if you wanted to. Um, I don't think I would ever really use that. Like we talked about while we were playing, like I would just read off, right? Count up how much your people are worth. If you filled your card, it's plus five. If you unlock this, it's plus two. You know, if you met your agenda, it's whatever the agenda points are. Um, So I don't know if I would ever actually fill that out. But it's a paper pad, which means it's a finite resource if somebody is using it. Um, I would take one of those and go get it laminated and then just, you know, dry erase marker on it would be a good option. Um, That's my only, only complaint. And like you said, that might be something that they did to cut costs, which is fine. Don't get me wrong. This is not a game breaker by any stretch of the imagination. It was just my kind of eh, my pet peeve with it. But it's all right there, and you can just read it off, and everybody keeps track of their own points, and then we figure out who's got the most to win. Right. So it's easy enough. Uh, Let's go into gameplay.
0: All right, so uh, gameplay here was very very smooth, very fast, very simple. Um, I do like that about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, there are not a lot of complicated rules or placement or anything like that. I mean, for instance, the placement of the, the meeples, if you're going to place a meeple in the row, it has to be at the highest spot of the row that it can be for one. And the only color restrictions were along the bottom row there, which that's very self explanatory. Right. Um, that was, that was very simple. Um, I think we went over the rules like a couple minutes and then we were rolling. So it's very easy to pick up, very easy to play. I think there was only one question that came up and it it was solved very easily. Right. Um, so overall, I, I think the gameplay is very, very easy to pick up, very easy to play. Um, definitely something you want in a game like this.
1: Right. All the cards while you're playing them, you know exactly what the cards are going to do. And in the rules, it explains it to you in there. The rule book is thin, um, but it is very good about being. Um, clear about what they want there's a couple of uh like charts in there that will show you what's allowed and what's not like gameplay just felt so good and it was fast and it was easy like i felt like it's a good nine for what this game is you know it's not it's not difficult it's not a rule heavy game um you can get somebody to sit down and start playing it and the rules work and they're elegant and they do exactly what they're supposed to do and like i said we were playing a two-player game so i mean it was fast you know it was boom 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 and we were moving
0: I think there is a pretty good element of strategy to this. I don't quite know how deep that can go yet. I would like to play this at a higher player count yeah. to really kind of get a feel for that more. Uh, I, I think I would go with an eight on gameplay right now uh, just because I'm still kind of unsure about that. Um, in the two games that we played, it was pretty straightforward. Um, there wasn't a lot, of, um, a lot of nuance to the strategy. Uh, But I I feel like there is a potential for that. Yeah. So, um, like I said, gameplay, I think I would go with an 8. But still definitely a very good game. Very clean, very smooth, um, especially for what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, So replayability, what do you think?
1: This is not a difficult game. Um, I think this is one of those games that's going to be fun to bring out. Fun to sit around and play. Even if people have played it, you know, before and over and over again. You're playing a different game every time. You're never really sure what board you're going to get. Even if you do have a favorite cult leader, which almost sounds weird, except in today's age, everybody's got a favorite cult leader. Um, even if you've got a favorite cult leader that you like to play, so you know the agendas, that could change based on the person sitting across from you and which agenda they may pick. Each agenda has a certain type of meeple that you need to get or a certain type of follower. So if somebody's, you know, if you've got two other people at the table playing that they're, agenda that requires the same followers that you need that can definitely make a change for things right um because there's only a finite number of those meeples uh so there's a lot that i think goes into that for replayability i think this is one that you could probably get a lot of good replayability out of because of what it is it is that quick game that we throw down play a couple rounds on and then we may either go do something else or like i said family game night or something like that
0: right i i definitely think this is um this is not one of those games where like you can have a set strategy and like this leader with this agenda will always win. Yeah. Um, So I think that really helps to the replayability of it. Plus it is a card based, like most of your moves are card based. So there is that kind of randomness in it just built in automatically. So I I think there is definitely a good chance of replayability here. Uh, with you know mixing up the cult leaders, mixing up the agendas, and then just playing the game. Yeah, I mean, you could play with the same uh, cult leader and agenda each time, and your board's going to look very different each time. Right, right. Just all depends on what cards you draw and what interaction you have with your opponent and things like that. Yeah. So, yeah, I think for replayability, I think I got to give it a solid eight. Yeah. Um, because it just, again, for what it is, a fast, fun, quick game, I you can get a lot of plays out of this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Overall, like I said, we keep saying we keep using the term for what it is. And I just want people to understand that that is by no means knocking this game or saying it is any less than anything else. Um, But it's not a heavy game, which is good. And a lot of people may be looking for that or you want to have that. You want to have some variety in your shelf anyway. You know, nobody wants to come play. You know, was it Imperium Twilight?
0: Twilight Imperium 4? Yeah.
1: Nobody wants to come play that every (laughs) night. Nobody. Like, oh my God, that would just... No. No. You know? So, I mean, this is a great game, and it is a fun game. I would almost kind of push it towards the party game um, genre, I guess, a little bit. Because it's going to be something fast you're going to put out, like you said. And it's something you're going to play and bring people into. And it may be that first step for them going, wow, I'm used to just spinning the little dial and moving my guy four places... You know, Mm -hmm. I passed go three times, you know, who cares? This is going to give you a chance to actually affect gameplay by the choices you make. Um, It's going to kind of introduce some of those more complicated game mechanics that you'll see later on in heavier games. Um, I think overall, like it's steady at an eight overall for me.
0: I I would agree with an eight. Uh, I feel like this game is um, is is a solid game for a lighter game. I I really do enjoy it. I think it's going to be a very good place or have a very good place on our shelf. Um, it's one of those games that it, it has enough different about it um, because being like tableau building type um, mm-hmm. as well as, you know, being car driven, there's enough different about it where it's, it's going to have a place on our shelf for a while. Right.
1: Yeah. It's, yeah. There's nothing else out there that we're going to play that I think that I've played. That's like this um, that I had as much fun with. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So there we go. Cultivate by Pops and Bezu games. Um, great company working out of Fargo, North Dakota. I think this is their first game. Um, It was a Kickstarter that was successful. I'm really looking forward to seeing more come out of there. If you get a chance, um, go online. Um, Like I said, Pops and Beijou, B-E-J-O-U. Check out their website. Pick up a copy of the game. You won't be disappointed. So what was your first D&D group?
0: Ooh, uh, My first group was uh, the one that I met down in South Carolina. Uh, we started in a uh, meeting at a local game store, actually. Uh, one of the stores down there had uh, two r- separate rooms for RPG groups. Uh, you come in, everybody in the group paid five bucks except for the DM. And then they gave you that back as like store credit. Um, but the room itself had, um, had like a table with a TV in the middle of it. So you could, you know, do roll 20 maps and stuff like that. If you wanted to, um, we played there for probably about two or three months. And then we ended up moving to one of the guy's houses. Making it a home game. Yeah. Just cause it was one, it was easier, um, because we could just all go there. Plus we could have food and stuff like that. Um, but that's kind of the feels like that's kind of the way it goes if you get a good group together. Because we ended up playing for, well, until I left South Carolina. So, about two or three years, we ended up playing.
1: Right, right. My first group, well, I can't even... We had a couple of, like, false starts early on. But that was second edition. And I was in the Navy. And I was drinking a lot that first year. So, uh, (laughs) there's some blank spots. But the first real campaign I did... um, The guy's name was Joe. He ran the campaign from his house. Uh, I think I've talked a little bit about it. Um, We ran for about four years, kind of on and off, you know, whenever ship schedules and stuff would allow it to get together. But ours was a home game as well. Yeah. So a lot of people start out with the home game. um, And that's kind of been the go to. I mean, reaching as far back, you know, as, you know, the 70s and stuff. Stranger things when they did theirs, it was a home game. If you look at the you know the plays and community, it was kind of a home game, and I think that's what a lot of people are used to, and a lot of people are seeing that. so they don't really know how to get a game started or how to get into a game or where to find a group and We are going to talk about that because it has come up repeatedly in the comment section over at the giveaway that we talked about under Mr. Kurt Wise, there have been a lot of people who have said, wow, I would really love to get into this, but I don't know how to find a group.
0: Right. I, I think, though, things have really changed a lot over the past few years. I mean, not just pandemic times you know, included, but uh, I think with the integration of technology and the way we communicate with each other now, I, I think it's easier now than ever to find a group.
1: I absolutely agree.
0: Uh, I I think one thing, though, it's it can still be daunting coming in from the outside. So I actually have that story um, because although you had played for years and years and years, I I remember you coming home and bringing home a bag of dice uh, that I'm pretty sure you left at uh, mom and dad's house on one of your um, one of your times of, of leave. And I remember taking those dice and having no idea what to do with them. All I knew was that, you know, they each meant something different. Um, but I didn't really know how to put that all together. Um, I remember making up like kind of a pseudo rule system kind <laughs> of thing to to mess around. Uh, but never really actually got to that that D&D playing the game step uh, until um, about s- five years ago now, I guess it was. Uh, that it was right after uh, Critical Role was about halfway through their first season uh, and D&D was really starting to become this bigger thing. Uh, I'd played board games for years so I, I was very thoroughly ingrained on the nerd side of things. Right, uh, right. And of course fantasy books, literature, all that stuff was my forte. But uh, I'd never played D&D and finally I just was like, alright, let's do it. Let's find a group. Let's figure out how to do it. And when you get to that step, it's it's a little daunting because you don't know really where to go, like who to talk to, um, who, who knows this stuff. Uh, I feel like it's become a lot less mystified than it was, you know, years and years ago, but still at the same time, it can be, it can be an interesting task.
1: Right. And especially, I know that a lot of people, again, in the comment sections and stuff that I've seen that are looking for groups. um, If you're naturally an introvert to begin with, that can make it a little bit more difficult. Um, I will tell you that you're going to have to adventure out a little bit, and we've got a couple of options that we'll talk about, but it does take you reaching out um, to get involved most of the time.
0: Right, and that's, the, that's pretty much where I found myself. Um, we opened up with our first group. Um, I had actually <laughs> attempted to play before that, um, I, I am very much an introvert um, completely. Uh, and the first time I played was going to be like a play by post game. Um, so I knew enough of the rules. I had a player's handbook. Like I, I was able to pick that part of it up. Um, so the way play by post games work is basically exactly how, how it sounds. The DM will type up the scene and put it out there and then you interact with them The thing, though, it's not an immediate interaction. So you will post whatever it is you're trying to do. The DM will respond. And this can go on over, like, the course of a day or two. Just resolve, like, one scene. And don't even start on combat. That takes, like, a solid week just to get through a single battle. Uh, You think your combat lasts long. Yeah. Uh, So that was my first kind of foray into it. And I was like, this is garbage. (laughs) I don't know. I got to find some in-person stuff. fortunately where we lived in Greenville, South Carolina, there were really three solid local game stores um, and a couple others that were a eh, little, little touch and go. But that was where I found the group that I ended up playing with. Uh, going into that game store, um, looking up their schedule online, messaging with uh, the, the owners of the game store, asking if there were any open groups and things like that. Um, and that's what led me to get to the game where I was at.
1: And that's the first place we're going to start talking about when we talk about where to find a group. Right. Your local game store.
0: So with the advent of um, D&D Adventure League, I, I think has really opened up uh, the, the play space to be inviting and things like that for people who are not familiar with the game. right? Um, people who maybe have never played or... Maybe have played a little bit, but still aren't very comfortable with it. Um, I think Adventure League is a great place to go.
1: Yeah. I uh, and, and for those of you that aren't familiar, Adventure League is kind of the Wizards of the Coast sanctioned live play, organized play events that um, the, usually are ran out of the game stores. It's kind of part of their partnership with Wizards of the Coast. Um, So it's a little bit different than what a home game would be. It's a little bit more structured right? and kind of like I kind of think of it as like vanilla D&D, right? Like this is the basics. Um, there's I mean, and by no means take that as not a good time because, I mean, it's still fun, but you're going to deal with you're just going to have to understand the rules of Adventure League, like things like what you can do with your downtime, what you do in between sessions. Because it's designed to be a drop-in, drop-out kind of setting as well. Right.
0: With that, it's very important to reach out to your game store, not only to make sure that they're doing it, but to make sure that they have space, they have DMs who can actually accommodate more people, all sorts of things like that. Right. Um, it And most, most game stores now are on Facebook or somewhere like that, so it's a quick message to them. You don't have to call the store right. or anything like that. You don't
1: have to talk to anybody on the phone. Yeah,
0: it's, it's really nice and easy. You just send them a message, you know, ask a couple quick questions. I know the store that I reach out to actually hooked me up with the DM who was running the game. Yep. Um, they gave me his contact information to reach out to him. Um, that way we can ask questions, do character creation, all that kind of good stuff um, before even the first session happened.
1: Right. I know that our local game store, at least one of them that I've talked to, Atlantis, they actually have a Discord set up uh, for organized play for Adventure League. So you can kind of get in there. You can talk to the DMs that are running, um, see what their schedules are looking like, see if there's availability at the tables. Um, and most of them will tell you, like, hey, come in maybe like an hour, 30 minutes early. We can do some character creation, something like that. If they don't do it, just right there over the Internet. But again, you don't even have to pick up the phone and call anybody like they understood the assignment. Most of it can be done over messaging. <laughs> So it gives you an idea. And, you know, some game stores, too, will uh, take it a step further. And they actually do run full-on campaigns uh, where you kind of got to dedicate yourself to that, which is the problem. Like, it is the running gag. If you haven't heard it yet, you'll eventually get into a group and you will realize that schedules suck.
0: (laughs) It's the hardest part about D&D is scheduling everybody to get together.
1: Right. There's like the squid game meme out there. Like, your next round will be a D and D game. Like I got this. And like, and you have to plan it for six weeks with everybody being able to attend. It's like, well, I'm dead. Cause it just, it's, uh, we have, got we've had a game that's been going on for years. That is a quote unquote weekly game. But I mean, it's been everything from, you know, people get sick, people have to work, people get busy. Uh, the DM gets, overrun with something uh, you know there's a lot of stuff that can mess up your schedule which is kind of the beauty of adventure league if you can't make it one night no big deal you can drop back in next time you're there
0: right and that's that's kind of where uh, another thing a local game store will do that i've seen um, is sometimes they'll have like learn to play D sessions mm-hmm. um, which is is very cool if that's something that they have where you'll be able to go and actually you know do like some character creation they'll you know do some mock encounters and things like that just for you to kind of get a feel for how the game goes um, because it's Tabletop RPGs are are a different animal from anything else you could play. They're not a board game. I I actually had this conversation this past week uh, with a guy at my work who he loves board games, but he's never played Dungeons and Dragons. And his first question was, so how do you win? And I was like, well, (laughs) it's not really something that you win at necessarily. Um, it's, It's telling a story together. I mean, you can go sit down at Adventure League and start kind of figuring it out. Right. But I know for myself, it was difficult to um, I I had a good DM, fortunately, who kind of pushed to give you those moments to shine. Yeah. And that's really kind of what almost what you need at first. If you're not one of those people who like to put yourself out there, it's still a good way to get into the hobby just to get started, to get your feet wet and then go from there. I mean that's just the first idea that we have. There are many many more other ways.
1: I hear a lot of times people talk about, you know, well, I don't like people. I I don't think that's true for the majority of them. I think what it is is you don't like people that are not your people. And I think you'll find that if this is your thing, if this is something you're wanting to get into, I think you're going to find that a lot of people that you're going to meet at the game store may end up being kind of your people. You know, there's definitely, you know, there's definitely some variety out there but i think you have a good chance of running across people that you're going to get along with okay if this is your thing they're all going to be real similar they're going to have real, you know they're going to have the geeky interests they're going to be in, interested in the stuff you're interested in so don't let that dissuade you from wanting to go into the store and try it out but we do have some other options my first fifth edition game was organized over a website called meetup.com So meetup.com is a website that you sign into, you know, you pick your region, your area, something like that, and then you can kind of search for what you want. And it has everything on it from like, you know, hiking groups or mother's yoga groups or people that like ice cream in your area. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in there, but there's always a section in there for, you know, game groups or people looking for groups or things like that. Um, Like I said, my first fifth edition game got organized off of that. And it worked out really well. I mean, we had about, I think it was like 25, 26 people that ended up, um, replying to the post and wanting to start a fifth edition game. It was kind of when it was back when it was new, um, that's a great place to go look, especially if you're getting a little bit more confident, you know, and you're wanting to, uh, you're okay with reaching out to people. I know that in my first post on there, like one of the big things is like, Hey, I've never played fifth edition before. Let me be upfront about it. And we still had plenty of responses for people like no problem. I'll DM, we'll figure this out. So that's a good option for you to go to look for a site like that. Or if you're, you know, in your local area, if you know, a site that is kind of dedicated to bringing people together. Um, that is a good place to start and go look that way.
0: I, I think many of the people in this hobby um, who are like more seasoned players and DMS um, enjoy bringing other people into the hobby. Right. Um, not only because it gives you an opportunity to kind of share what you enjoy because everyone loves that. Um, but I, I like for me we just started a group with the people at my work. Um, almost all of them have never played D&D before. Some of them you would not expect to enjoy D&D. Um, we just had our second session on last couple nights ago, um, and they loved it. They are starting to buy into their characters. They're enjoying kind of the story, the the whole nine yards. And that's the effect that this game has. That's why we, we especially love bringing new people into the hobby. We love making it happen for them. Um, and so that's kind of what you should hope to find when you're looking for a group is finding people who are happy to have a new person come in,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, who are willing to sit down and help you with whatever it is you have questions about all that sort of thing. Cause those people are out there. They do exist. Right. Um, the next place you want to talk about too, is, um, just Facebook groups. Uh, there are a ton of Facebook groups dedicated to D and D. Uh, There's a huge one for Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition that will have all sorts of questions and comments in the whole nine yards. There are many on there that are specifically for running, setting up adventures and campaigns, um, one shots, things of that nature, uh, which might also be something you might be interested in just to kind of get your feet wet instead of hopping on a full campaign, you know, setting up or joining in on a one shot. Um, just to kind of see where you're at, how you feel, kind of get your get your feet under you there. Um, I know specifically um, most game stores will have their um, Facebook pages where I'm sure you can interact with them as well, like we talked about, to also find and set up groups and things like that.
1: Right, yeah. Um, another, like Facebook, Reddit as well, I've heard is a good place to look. Um, I don't use Reddit a lot. I know you're more... Uh, uh, savvy with using that platform uh it's a great place to look Uh, you know the social media side of this is really i think what's helped expand it because even you know like the critical role dimension 20 and stuff things the people that have made it popular as people are looking for it you know we've at this point most of us are pretty used to social media like we all may have our forum that we like you know personally i still i guess i'm old now because i still use facebook but, uh, you know, anywhere you look, you can find information about people in your area putting groups together.
0: Right. And a lot of those kind of, um, they convert from the social media site over to something like Discord or some kind of communication platform like that. Right. Um, which leads into our next one, Roll20, yes. as well. Um, and it's, if you don't feel like playing in person, because we are still kind of pandemic-ish, um, I mean, the online side of D&D now has come leaps and bounds in the past couple of years.
1: Right, right.
0: Just really the amount of platforms that you can play D&D on now um, are crazy. Uh, Roll20 is kind of the, the go-to for us. That's the one we've been running our game on for um, almost three years now. But there's fantasy grounds as well, which I hear wonderful things about. Right, um, tabletop simulator as well. You can even run off of there, have little miniatures and stuff, and flip the table when your players make you mad. But there are so many places now to be able to play where you don't even have to be in person anymore. Right. Um, it's it it really, I mean, continually breaks down these barriers of having to put yourself in in a position out there in the public if you're against that where you can still get together and play these games and make friends with people and things like that.
1: Right. Like you said, we're still, we're still in the middle of the pandemic and there's still some concerns, um, that people have, or maybe it's just that you don't live near the people that you want to play with. Like maybe you're in South Dakota, for example, (laughs) and the people you want to play with who are really cool are out on the East coast. So roll 20 is a great way to do that as well. Um, I know that I talked to somebody who he said, Hey, my son's wanting to run a group um, or run a game, but you know, we just moved and all of his friends are, you know, miles away now. Um, Is there any options for that? Roll 20 is, I mean, a great way to do that. Um, I will tell you that I would suggest if you're using roll 20 to use discord as your voice server, because the roll 20 voice seems a little wonky. Um, But you know, you can turn your cameras on, you can still see people, um it, we've like i said we've been playing a game for about three years on there and even during the pandemic man it felt like it was such a great way to connect with the group
0: yeah especially when things were really locked down central where mm-hmm. it you didn't really want to leave the house you know kind of doing what you could do you know in that sort of regards it was awesome to be able to sit down still once a week and pull this up and play with your friends. Yeah. The last way we want to talk about, of course, is just really to start your own. Right. Now, this is obviously not going to be for everybody. Right. Um, but there are so many good resources out there for people coming into the hobby to learn how to play. Right. Right. Um, so for the first time in Dungeons and Dragons history and I think part of what has made it so popular is that you can go on YouTube right now and you can watch people actually play Dungeons and Dragons. Right. right. Um, I'm always reminded of the 8-bit D&D skit that that you can also find on YouTube where they talk about Dungeons and Dragons Satan's game where they talk about they <laughs> it's where your children are going to join in a cult, right? And really the the advent of modern technology has made it to where um, it's no longer that secretive game played at somebody's house that nobody really sees. Now you can go and you can watch people play. You can see what this game is all about. You can understand uh, really that it is just a game and it, it can be so much more than that. Um, And it really demystifies the whole kind of surrounding of it. Right. Um, And with that, not only can you see how that game plays, you can go on YouTube again and you can see, all right, how do I DM? What is what are some things I need? How do I, you know, I have a book here that is an adventure. How do I read this book? How do right. I use this book? And there are so many good content creators out there that have dedicated themselves to that sort of thing.
1: Right. And now too, like, you don't have to have the core rule book set to actually get started with the, the starter set and the the, essentials and the essentials kit that are out there. Both are fantastic products for, you know, somebody that's looking to start a game. Like, like Josh said earlier, it's kind of a rules light, right? It doesn't have everything in it, but it's got the basics that you need to sit down and play And like you said, uh, you know, you can go watch people do this. Um, Brennan Lee Mulligan, who is the DM over at Dimension 20, who is, I mean, fantastic. He's one of my favorites to watch. If you haven't seen them, they're on uh, YouTube. And what's their website?
0: Uh, Dropout.tv.
1: Dropout.tv, which is the College Humor uh, streaming service. He was talking about it. And one of the things he said, you know, is like, hey, you know, one of the interviews where he's talking with somebody is like, you know, The thing now is, if you want to DM, if you've watched four or five, six hours of Critical Role or Dimension 20 or Fantasy High or any of these streaming shows that are out there, you can DM. You've got this. You know, like Josh said, this may be for some of the more adventurous types out there that haven't found a group, but go sit down and watch them. One, like they're great to watch. Um, You'll see that sitting around a table with a bunch of people and creating a story from this you know creative world that you're you're picturing and you know how you guys interact with each other you know is a fantastic way first of all just as a person to a as adults we forget how to play just to have a good time um this is a great way to do it but it'll also give you a chance to see how we're you know we're interacting with each other how they kind of talk to each other how they play the game and once you have that the rest of it's easy you know It's telling a story. It's all about this cooperative storytelling. You know, we've talked a lot about this focused on like D&D because that's kind of the big one out there right now. But find the system you like. Maybe 5th edition isn't the system that you're, you know, really into. Maybe you really want to do lots of math while you're killing things and then you go to Pathfinder. Um, (laughs) And I'm not knocking Pathfinder before I get nasty emails about it. It's just not my system. Um, It is a little more math heavy and there's a lot of stuff you can do, but people like that. You know, if you want something a little bit darker, you know, look out there to like Vampire the Masquerade or the stuff that Modiphius is doing. They're making a role playing game out of anything they can get their hands on. I mean, Dune, uh, Fallout. I'm pretty sure they got one about a pork and beans can or something. I mean, they really are. If it's a story out there, they're making a role playing game for it. So, you know, find your fun.
0: Yeah, I I really think um, we kind of gravitate towards fifth edition because it is very beginner friendly. Mm -hmm. Um, out of, out of all the other games, um, not to say the other ones can't be, but, um, the amount of money wizards has really put
1: into it. That's a lot of what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: I I really think they've done a very good job of uh, specifically with the starter set or the essentials kit, uh, whichever one you can get your hands on like 20 bucks you're talking about comes with a set of dice, comes with an adventure, comes with a rule book, you write a roll. Yeah. Like it. it's, it's really made it easy for people. There, there's an ease of entry. And in fact, you do not even have to put money down. You can actually download that copy of the rule book off of wizards website for free. Um, so if you just need rules and want to run with an adventure you have in your head, by all
1: means, get started right there. Yeah.
0: So those are just some of our ways that kind of, we came up with. Um, there are many more out there uh this game there there is no reason now why a person should not be able to get into this game one way or the other Mm -hmm. like you said earlier it may take a little bit of you know kind of putting yourself out there depending on which way you you know do it but uh, i mean honestly that's one of the best parts about this game i feel like is when you open up yourself to those vulnerabilities um, and you kind of challenge those, however that may be, whether it's the type of character you're playing, maybe completely different from your normal personality, or just really getting with people you don't know and making new friends. That can be tough all on its own.
1: And for some of our younger listeners, while we're thinking about it, just kind of as a caveat, um, if you're in high school, a lot of the high schools have a and d club and a lot of colleges as well. It's a good place to find um, a D&D group. So. There's some more options for you. So there we go. Hopefully we have answered some of your questions. We've given you some ideas of places to look. Uh, As always, if you're interested and you want to talk to us, feel free to reach out on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Send us a message. And honestly, if we can answer or help, we will be more than happy to do it. Good luck, everyone.
0: All right, lastly, we have our Kickstarter roundup. Uh, This week, we have a couple um, really exciting games that we want to talk about. Uh, One of them is near and dear to our heart, um, specifically with Marvel Dice Throne. Um, We have another game that is called Grim Inc. That is a game about uh, working for the Grim Reaper in his company, coming up with new and inventive ways for people to die. Our last one is Imagine Hero that builds off of cognitive behavioral therapy for um, people struggling with... Um, different types of uh, mental health issues, and really just overall promotes a, a positive mental well-being. Um, so let's get started with uh, Grim Inc. Uh, is actually the first one I want to talk about. This game is a fun little card game that reminds me of Cards Against Humanity in the way that it plays. In this game, uh, you all are potential employees for the Grim Reaper. You are seeking employee in his company, and one of the players in your group um, starts the game and as a line manager uh, because the Grim Reaper is obviously way too busy to be dealing with. You himself. um and <laughs> in this game, there are three different types of cards. So there is a soul card, a setting card, and then an implement card. So at each round, one of the players plays as the line manager, and there is a soul card and a setting card that is drawn and put out on the table. The soul card can be anything from an influencer, a dirty politician A sock puppet, a Karen, something like that, um, is played out on the table. And then a setting um, would be something like space, uh, the wrong side of town. um, Little Timmy's birthday party. Yeah, Little Timmy's birthday party, Area 51, something like that is placed next to it. Each player gets an implement card. Now, this implement card is usually the way that the person dies, Or some sort of tool or something like that. There's a goldfish. um, There is the horror of the epic illness. There's a fucking velociraptor. Yeah. And then it's up to that player to take that implement. And tell the story of how this person would die. Using that implement. So after each person has gone. There's a little like 30 second one minute timer. After each person has kind of given their sales pitch. The line manager then decides who made the best pitch. And then awards them the point. So very much, you know, Cards Against Humanity, trial by trolley type style of gameplay. Uh, But this one looks really funny.
1: Yeah, this sounds sounds really good. Grim Incorporated stands for Grim Reaper's Institute of Murder Incorporated. I love watching the video as they're trying this because you've really got to work that implement in there. And, you know, you're trying to get the group to laugh. Um, This one looks like a lot of fun as a good party game. Right. So
0: as far as the Kickstarter information goes, this one still has 23 days to go as a time of recording. Um, it's about halfway to its goal. Um, it, its goal is $11,473. Um, it's at $4,864 now. Uh, so there's still plenty of time uh, to get in on this. In fact, they still have their early bird special right now. There are still, um, see, that's about 20 copies left. Um, so the game at the early bird special is 21 us dollars. Uh, and that gives you a full copy of the first edition game, uh, that has everything you need to play in it. Uh, normal price on this is actually 27 bucks. So saves you about six bucks off the top, uh, that there, like I said, there's still 20 copies of that left. So still, if you hear this plenty of time to hop on there and, and pick up this one, uh, y- there are a couple other things, uh, as you go down the, to the tier list, Uh, for $34 it actually includes an expansion um, to add even more um, different types of cards and things like that to it Um, you can also get a digital download of the game as well with that as you continue down the list the next one is at $54 Um, it is the employee of the month level you actually get an employee of the month badge
1: (laughs) (laughs) and dishonorable Uh, mention yes
0: yep Um, In the actual introduction manual. So that's kind of cool as well. The game itself is looking at a March 2022 delivery. So actually not too far down the road for a Kickstarter. Right. This is definitely one of those fun games that um, I could see picking up just to have for, you know, a party type game. Anywhere you would play Cards Against the Manity, I could see you playing this one.
1: Let's get it over the hump and then we'll get a chance to uh, see what else there is past that.
0: All right, the next one we want to talk about is Marvel Dice Throne.
1: So Dice Throne is something that we've talked about before. I think it was the first game that we actually reviewed. And it is one of my personal favorites. Like, it's up there. Like, I don't, I just, I love the game. I love the design on it. You know, I have season one and season two. Now Marvel is getting into the game. So where before you had the, you know, the characters, the heroes that came with original Dice Throne, now it's going to be the more familiar Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, Loki, Captain Marvel, those characters that we know from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, playing them through Dice Throne. Right. This
0: one looks excellent. Man versus Meeple actually did the reveals of the characters. So this game, though, it's only got seven days left as of time of recording. Um, so definitely want to hop on this if you haven't yet. Uh, It is way past its goal. It was a $100,000 goal. It's at $1.6 million. So it's definitely, there going to be made. Uh, There is only one tier level for this, which I absolutely love. Um, It's $84 for the battle chest. That's it. It comes with all eight characters, which to list all the characters that are in it, there is Spider-Man, specifically Miles Morales. There's Doctor Strange, Loki, Captain Marvel, Thor, the Scarlet Witch, Black Widow, and the Black Panther. So those are the eight characters that are involved in it. The battle chest itself is actually absolutely gorgeous. It comes with the, this beautiful art piece on the front of it, as well as the the individual characters are all in their own little trays, just like traditional dice throne, which is one of the things that we talked about we really enjoy because um, you can just pop out a tray, open it up, you're ready to play in just 30 seconds, really. And you just run from there. Overall, this is one we're really excited about. This is one we're definitely going to be backing. Yes. Um, in fact, I do hope that they have this at PAX because Dice Stark is going to be there. So hopefully they have like a prototype copy or something like this just to kind of get our hands on it. One I would love to tr- try out and play. But again... This one is very good. Take a look at the Kickstarter. There are tons of reviews that have already been done on it. But yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about this. One. Right.
1: Dice Throne is a solid game in itself. And now just to get this little bit of extra, there's the play mats that you can have for each individual hero. Uh, there are card sleeves that are part of the add on. There's a foldable dice tray. Uh, so, I mean, have a look at it.
0: There is a promo pack that does come free with every battle chest. It has a couple like full art cards for each of the heroes, as well as like some extra abilities for each of them. The other thing that comes, it comes with a little um, Mjolnir <laughs> that's, that's made out of zinc. It's a little companion token, as well as each of the battle chests will have a limited edition numbering printing on them, which that's kind of cool. But overall, the like just the artwork and everything looks really good on it. It is Marvel, but it is very much dice thrown as well. Yes. And yeah, just absolutely everything looks really good. That uh, collapsible dice tray, if that is the design they go with, like that's very tempting to pick up because I'm a fan of dice trays anyway. But just to have something like that, you could throw it in the middle of the table.
1: Yeah, right, right. So take a look at it. Like you said, that one's already backed. And when is the, what are they looking at for uh, June 2022 for a ship date? Yep. All right, so
0: the last game we want to talk about is called Imagine Hero. And this game is kind of geared a little more towards like a, a younger kid, teenager type generation, but it I believe it'd still be very effective for even, even adults. So the makers of this game are Cards for Calm LLC. Uh, they originally came out with um, a card-based type game uh, to help with anxiety issues. Something that. That's what they built their company on. Um, there have actually been some really good reviews. For mm-hmm. what their system does. So first of all. That's that's awesome in and of itself. Good on them. Mental health is something that you know we can all use. Take a second to kind of evaluate of ourselves. And you know. Give a little positivity there. And that's kind of what this game looks to do. So it builds off of CBT. And it seeks to help younger people. Kind of evaluate and find ways to deal with. With kind of everyday stresses and problems, right,
1: which is a lot of what CBT focuses on. If you've never gone through that kind of a therapy, what it really t- tries to do is gets you to be, you know, cognizant of the stuff that your brain does automatically, where a lot of like negative emotions and negative feelings come from things that we don't even realize. CBT is a system that helps kind of train you to challenge those ideas.
0: Right. So one of the things that I think is really cool about it is they describe it almost as a Pokemon type game, which is very interesting because you're trying to, first off, you have a like hero card and what I like is that the hero cards are pretty like. They, they look like kids. Yeah. Uh, and it's kind of under the guise that, you know, every kid has a potential to be a hero when it comes to these type of things. The bad guys or bad things in in this story are called echoes. And these echoes will actually capture hero cards. And it, again, playing into that, not everybody is necessarily a bad person. But people can have things happen to them or be struggling with things, and it can happen to anybody. It doesn't matter who you are or where you are um, in life. You can have things that you might be struggling with at some point in time. And it's up to the other heroes to really step in um, using their empathy points and help break that other hero out of whatever this echo has on them.
1: Right. I think that's another great point to it that they try to make as well, is that even You know, nobody's the hero all the time. You know, yes, all of us, all of us have had bad days and you've had problems when it comes to mental health and things that not every day are you going to be the one that's going to fix everything. So I really love that they incorporate that into the gameplay as well.
0: Yeah, I think overall, this is a really excellent um, way to do this. For one, there's not a whole lot about the gameplay necessarily, So I'm interested to see that as far as how the game actually plays. But the overall concept and everything that I'm seeing here seems excellent.
1: Right. Seems really solid.
0: So the price points. There's a couple different things on this that I like. First of all, you can donate a deck of this cards to this organization. Uh, Together we rise. It's a. Charity that helps children in foster care. Right. Very specifically, they uh, seek to make transitions better and just the general well-being of foster kids better. One of the things they mentioned a lot of times foster kids when they are transferred to a new home, they're given a trash bag to put their stuff in. Right. Um. And they said one of the things this organization does is goes out and gets duffel bags and puts like for new blankets and like a stuffed animal or something like that in it to get them started. And just so they have a bag with their stuff in it that is not a trash bag. It's little things like that that I think make a big difference. Being able to donate something like this to an organization that does things like that is awesome. I mean, that's a $5 pledge is to donate. (laughs) And that's, yeah. For $15, you're going to get an actual copy of the deck for yourself. And for $20, you can get a copy and you can donate a copy. It goes up from there. Um, you're able to uh, the game itself plays up to four players, so you can get multiple copies and put them together. And I think it goes up to eight players as well. Mm -hmm. There are other levels as well. Um, You can get for a $25 level. If you are a mental health professional that works with children, um, you can get a copy of this game plus a copy of their Imagine hero therapy deck to use in like accompanying sessions. So you could not only have this game to use as a tool in, in helping with this kid's therapy, but also there's a deck that helps them kind of evaluate what was happening in the game as well, which I, that's again, excellent overall. This, this whole Kickstarter, uh, I think is really good just in general, dealing with mental health issues, especially in kids, something that I feel always needs to be looked at more. I think this is a great step in that direction.
1: So far, they are at 2088 out of their goal of 3400 So, I mean, they're about $1,300 away from being funded. They have 17 days to go as of the time of this recording. So, by the time we have this out, it'll probably be about two weeks that they have still to get it. If it's still not there, I mean, I definitely go take a look at this. We've talked, you know, a lot of stuff on here. and Like, we talked about some of the panels and stuff that we're going to see in packs, and there are a lot of them that talk about mental health and using gaming in therapy for children and in schools and stuff like that so stuff like this is definitely a bonus for kids that to put a name to what they're feeling and they don't know how to do that yeah definitely go check this one out hey so with that we have filled the compound with followers and our board is locked everybody else can have one more round but we are going to be out of here For The Dapper Meeple, I'm Jim.
0: And I'm Josh. Good night, everybody. Thanks, everyone, for sticking around and listening to our show.
1: If you enjoyed it, let me ask you a favor. Follow us and leave us a like wherever you get your podcast. It really helps us out.
0: And if you have anything to say back to us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for The Dapper Meeple. On Twitter, our handle is at The Dapper Meeple, or email us at dappermeeplegaming at gmail.com.
1: And as always, we'll save you a seat at the table.